Hi, I'm Malcolm Hawker, and this is the CDO Matters Podcast, the show where I dig deep into the strategic insights, best practices, and practical recommendations that modern data leaders need to help their organizations become truly data-driven. Tune in for thought-provoking discussions with data, IT, and business leaders to learn about the CDO matters that are top of mind for today's chief data officers. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the CDO Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm Hawker. I'm lucky today to be joined by Mr. Kyle Winterbottom. He's the CEO and founder of Orbition, which is a a boutique talent agency that focuses on on the data and analytics space. Kyle and I met each other through some kind of shared acquaintances on on, on LinkedIn. Uh, We've had a number of great conversations on LinkedIn and, and, and offline. Uh, we share some of this, I say some of the same thoughts around the kind of the state of the nation uh, when it comes to data and analytics um, and, and when it comes to some of the, the challenges that, that, that us as data practitioners uh, uh, face. Really looking forward to, to, to picking Kyle's uh, brain today. So with that, welcome, Kyle. Thank you for being here. No problem at all. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Wonderful. Kyle, why don't you just kind of spend, I, I, I introduced your company, but I would I would love our listeners just to hear a little bit more about what you do, where you specialize in, and the, the, the needs that you serve for your clients. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've been in the data and analytics talent space for the last 12, 13 years now. Um, so I guess Orbition, we're a, a boutique talent solutions business. We operate exclusively within the world of data and analytics. So that's literally all we do. Obviously, as you can tell from the accent, we are headquartered here in the UK, um, but we have a presence out in uh, North America as well and, and work across the UK, Europe and and the USA predominantly. Um, I guess we, we probably differ to most either executive search or recruitment agencies, as most people would know them, and kind of lean to both sides of that coin, depending upon the specific needs of the organizations we partner with. So, you know, we work with major FTSE 100s, Fortune 100s, all the way through to kind of startup scale-up organizations and everything in between, really. Typically start at the the leadership level. So that's probably where we we are most known and respected. Um, And then beyond that, helping those data leaders, CDO type of people to, to build out their technical teams beneath them. You know, so that could look like helping an organization to find a singular CDO. It could be a small to mid-sized enterprise that needs to hire five, six people right now. It could be a Fortune 100 that plans to hire 90 people over the next 18 months. And we would kind of, you know, tactically and strategically embed ourselves within those businesses to help deliver that talent strategy roadmap. And then over a series of phases, you know, get those people into that business effectively. So that's the, that's the, the short version. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, I should have mentioned at the start of this, um, Obviously, you can see that I, I have a new sign. <laughs> hopefully, it's not hopefully it's not too disruptive. I'm I'm trying to be, I guess, the next data Joe Rogan. Um, is it is it displaying correctly, Kyle, or is it mirrored? Is it weird? Is it is it? It's so it's it's mirrored to me. Yeah, it's the wrong way around to me. Oh, oh goodness. Okay, there. Sorry. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I've lot to figure out. So so this 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 sign has been the bane of my existence for the last <laughs> like five months. I bought it like five months ago. And, and as it turns out, um, uh, LED signs don't, they, they, they flicker. 
right? There's, there isn't a constant light with LED. Yeah. Like if, if, you, if we slewed it into super slow-mo, you would see on, off, on, off, on, off, which, which means that um, digital cameras have a hard time with it because digital cameras are capturing the same way. It's called a frame rate. Yeah. And if the frame rate of the camera is not the same as the frame rate as the sign, it creates this throb. It's like literally like this, this, it's it just, and I tested uh, webcam after webcam after webcam. I, I, I tested multiple DSLRs and Nikon Z5, 3300, Nikon 5500. None of them worked. They all kind of created this throb until I, until I tried my old iPhone eight. So we're running an iPhone eight. This is the, the video oh, wow. capture here. It's the only one that, that, that doesn't throb anyway. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Thanks for <laughs> Helping with the sign, and 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 my my apologies for for taking some 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 wind out of out of the sails of, of you talking about your fantastic company because I know you guys are doing great things and I know you're incredibly active in the market and you've got your finger on the pulse of the market for for talent in in the CDO space. So, <laughs> yeah, let's let's go back to that enough about my my side. Um, when it comes to um, of the market for let, let's focus on CDOs or, or VPs of data and analytics, uh, you know, a pseudo, maybe not a CDO in role, but a CDO in responsibility. What are you seeing up there right now? I mean, obviously, I think we are here in late 2022. Um, a lot of people are afraid of global recession, kind of global economic slowdowns, just high level. What are you seeing in the market for uh, a top talent in the data and analytics space? So, well, I think at the, at the leadership level, particularly, I think um, the market um, is is in a bit of turmoil, to be honest with you. I think, broadly speaking, most organizations don't really understand what they're looking for or what they should be looking for. Um, but equally, there's quite a lot of data leaders out there who are open to exploring new opportunities for a whole host of different reasons. And I think that's kind of created this... Um, you know, imbalance in the market where you've got in comparison to some of the more technical disciplines, you know, if you think about data engineering as an example, right over the last two, three years, that's just been the, the, the big thing. And there are, you know, just so few people out there in comparison to the number of organizations trying to hire that skill set and hire it at scale. So this, the, the kind of CDO or, or kind of data leadership market is, is the, the flip side of that at the moment, unfortunately, where you've got, you know, only a few select actual leadership roles. And that's probably a good point to, to make, right? Is that there's a lot, there's a lot out there by title uh, in terms of what look, you know, might look like a relevant role for people who are listening to this, but when they scratch beneath the surface, you know, whether it's the, the more logistical things like remuneration or whether it's actual the scope of the opportunity or whether it's the appetite and investment from the business. When you scratch beneath all of that, unfortunately, there are very few roles that I think many people would be, you know, quick to to kind of jump out of where they're at for, if if that makes sense. So that that's kind of broadly speaking, I think, where where we're at from a leadership perspective. Right. So I, I assume that that translates into way, way, way more applicants than there are positions. What are you seeing from the perspective of the quality of those applicants? I think I've seen you you post a few things on LinkedIn that really kind of says, hey, you know, just because you think you may be ready, you probably aren't based on some of the quality of the resumes you've seen. Is, is, is that consistent with what you're seeing? I think so. I mean, I think, you know, so I, I, I did a bit of a just you no know, nerding out really Malcolm over you know data and recruitment the two topics that that I obviously know and um I, I started to 
collate a lot of the job adverts that I was seeing online and and the disparity between leadership job adverts and then the more technical job adverts. So um, I've got a host of them saved on my uh, on my laptop. But, you know, what you'd see from that is very clearly, you know, if it was a, I don't know, a senior data engineering role, for example, that might get a handful of applicants, if that, over a period of two to three months, right? If there is a leadership, you know, quote unquote, leadership role, director, VP, CDO type of role, that will get hundreds of applicants within a matter of minutes. So I think there's, you know, the reality of that situation is that, you know, there's probably only going to be a handful of those people who are right for that role at that particular time. But obviously everyone in the ascendance of their careers is obviously pining towards that, the role of leadership, right? Because that, that kind of, for most people is the seen as the pinnacle, right? Of the, of the kind of career ladder, the career pathway, the career trajectory is to get into leadership because that shows progression and, and success and, and so on and so forth. So yeah, I think that's, that's probably a fair, a fair assumption for sure. Got it. So, so in the more technical roles, that's where you're seeing the, the most opportunity potentially is, is, I guess is what I'm hearing you say. Kind of going back maybe three, four years ago, you, you can keep me honest on this, but I mean, everybody wanted to be a data scientist, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, it, and it was just this massive inflation in, in uh, salary, uh, even inflation in title for a lot of people. And every, everybody wanted to, to, be, to be a data scientist. And it seems like I, I was at a roundtable about three or four months ago. Uh, back when I used to live in Austin for, for a former employer of yours, actually, that was that was hosting, that was kind of hosting a data leader roundtable. And a lot of the yeah. people there that were talking about the the, the sheen kind of coming off the, the data science role. Are, are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. I think, um, you know, if you go back five years, you know, we had the whole data science is the sexiest job of the 21st century and all of that. And I think that that kind of, you know, pushed this wave of education within that discipline, right? So you had a load of people then go and either retrain to be a data scientist or people in university would study to be a data scientist. Many organizations then actually came to the realization, hang on a minute, we're a million miles away from needing this many data scientists in our organization. And, you know, the, the whole resurgence of data management, data governance, data engineering came back to the forefront. So again, that created then this surplus of, of talent, right, in the data science space, where there were just a lot more people than there were jobs all of a sudden. And data engineering kind of came became what data science was, you know. So, right. so now, if I think about the last two years, I reckon the bulk of our work has been helping organizations to scale their, you know, quote unquote, data analytics capability, but it's it's been data engineering predominantly for, for most of that. Um, and that that marketplace is in the same situation as data science was five years ago, where, you know, people are getting sh stupid uplifts in terms of salary, stupid uplifts in terms of title, just because, you know, the number of people out there that can do that job are so few and far between. And, um, you know, it's not just that 
every business out there is looking for these types of people, but they're not just looking for them in ones and twos. They're looking for them in six, seven, eights and nines, right? And um, there might only be a handful of people in any one area that can, with the right tech stack, the right skill set, the right location, whatever the case may be, um, that that can do that job. So to the demand there, is that what is that a function of? I mean, I, I certainly, when I was still a gardener early in the year, what I saw a lot of was roadmap and prioritization around loosely digital transformation. It just, just it could kind of a catch-all. Uh, could be anything from building an e-commerce site to you know optimizing your supply chain and on and on. Uh, but what I saw was a lot of companies running to that, getting into two, three, four year long commitments around some form of digital transformation. Most of them are pretty much like halfway there, not even all, all the way there. I suspect yeah. a lot of the demand for what you're seeing for data engineering is coming as, as a result of that. Is that, do you concur or are there other forces that are kind of driving this? Yeah, so I mean, the whole digital transformation movement has obviously been a big part of this and that was certainly expedited through the COVID pandemic. Right. You know, when many businesses were thrust into that world without um, even realizing it. But I think even prior to that, many organizations had kind of started on this data analytics journey in a, in a quest to be, you know, data driven in quotation marks and, um, you know, jumped feet first, in my opinion, into the wrong areas. Right. You know, so they went yeah. straight for this, the sexy silver bullet type stuff. You know, they were trying to do AI and machine learning projects. Um and they just weren't ready for that. And I think that kind of created that that spiral of then, okay, well, we've spent all this money. We're too far in to kind of give it up. So we need to backtrack and get kind of start fixing some of the foundations. And I think that's why, you know, the last 18 to 24 months particularly, you know, we've seen a massive resurgence around data governance roles and actually senior data governance roles as well, which has been yeah. nice to see. That coupled with the you know the more technical stuff around the data engineering side, um, they've certainly been the the kind of hot hot topics. And um, you might ask me this later or, or, or not, but I, you know I've put my hat on the the data product space being the the big thing for for twenty three and beyond. I uh, couldn't agree more. Let's 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 talk about that in a bit. Yeah. I do want to tie off on the on the kind of the data engineering and the competitiveness in that space there and, and hiring for more data engineers. So let's let's assume I am a VP of data and analytics or or I'm a CDO and hopefully I'm listening to this podcast. Um, what, what are some of the kind of the tips that you would give to somebody probably closer to my age, <laughs> hiring probably somebody closer to half my age? Um, I'll lead the witness a little bit here. Like what I've seen as I've progressed, I've seen kind of some of the core motivators change. There's always money, right? Um, and, and that's a good thing. Um, but what I'm hearing now from, from younger people in this space is, is more of a need for what I will just kind of loosely call some sense of purpose, right? Some sort of greater good um, that, that goes beyond just, you know, pay me. Um, do, do, do you agree? Do you concur? And, and if so, should that be part of a hiring strategy for, for a CDO? 100%. So, um, you know, I think I think there's been a dramatic change from even five years ago with, with this. So if I think about, you know, the, the, the timescales of when we were well in the midst of that data science hype, I think most data analytics practitioners across the board really you know loosely speaking we're interested in how much are you going to pay me will will the brand name look good on my resume yeah. Yeah. and what type of tech am i going to get to play with 
I think they were the key three factors. Now, because I think a lot of a lot of people made decisions based on those factors and went into organizations that were probably paying lip service to being data driven, right? Um, and therefore have kind of come out of those experiences feeling a little bit burnt. Um, so their kind of wants, needs and desires now have, have, have changed. So I kind of talk about these three, three key areas of kind of being, you know, being able to demonstrate to people that you're trying to hire that their work will be visible, it'll be valuable and it'll be impactful. And that kind of speaks to, you know, your sense of purpose comment, because I think that's where most people have felt burnt, right? You know, they've been in these big engineering or data science software teams, whatever the case may be, and almost felt like they've been on a production line of, of projects, you know, project lands on their desk, it gets done, it's off out there into the ether, they never hear about it again, they can't see it, they don't know if it's good, bad, ugly, they get no feedback, it's never used, it adds no value, and then they're kind of sat there going, you know, this doesn't really fulfill me you know i'm not i'm not seeing the the product of of the, all my hard work so i think the last two years especially i think we've seen you know especially with the the, the coupling of what the pandemic did for people in terms of you know remote work and work-life balance and stuff like that um i think certainly you know that whole visible valuable impactful um is an area that that i talk to a lot of data leaders about when they're hiring and trying to kind of construct that kind of compelling narrative around, you know, it's almost like creating a data analytics value proposition inside your employer value proposition, you know, because mm. um, I think the times of, unless you're a, a Facebook or an Amazon or a Google or a Tesla or Netflix or whatever the case may be, right? Unless you are one of those businesses, you're kind of the rest right and um yeah. people will work for those businesses irrespective of how bad the pay is how bad the tech is how bad the projects are how how visible their work is or not um but to work elsewhere i think that's what kind of where you get the competitive advantage now right so what i think i'm hearing you say that you know kind of to build the data and analytics culture within a broader corporate culture um Getting back to the, the kind of the notion about being purpose driven, I mean, obviously, th this this stresses the need for some sort of data strategy, and as a part of that strategy, to 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 create a narrative uh, and to create a mission or strategy that that kind of maybe stretches beyond somehow, some way, what whatever you're doing, kind of day in and day out. Um, yeah. So th 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 that's interesting. I, I think I think that's an important message because if you are working for a company that makes breakfast cereal or that makes widgets or that makes, you know, heating and cooling components. It's, it's not the fang world, <laughs> right. But yeah. still, an, but still an important world. And how, and, and how do you bring that kind of that broader sense of purpose into, into building consumer goods that people wouldn't view as sexy? Yeah. Interesting. Well, I think, and I think that, you know, it's, it's interesting because the way I've sometimes framed this is, you know, when you're as a data leader trying to, um, you know, speak with your, board or your ceo and explain to them how this data strategy is going to provide value for the business it's almost the same conversation just flipped on its head right it's this is this is what our data strategy is because it's going to help us achieve this for the business and their objectives and this is the role that you play in that you know so that then they can see the the bigger picture of that's the end result and there's a pathway for me to play a part in that as opposed to 
you know, yeah. project lands on my desk, it's done, it's off, I'll never get to see it again. So, so you mentioned um, a, a top trend for 2023, data as a product. Uh, let's talk about that. But just to tie off on this notion, notion on a sense of purpose, one of the things that I see coming, and, and I, I'd love your thoughts on this, is loosely kind of tied to ESG, uh, environmental societal and governance kind of pressures within, within organizations. Um, I, I think a little bit of wind has kind of left the ESG sales because of everything that's happened post-COVID, energy crisis in Europe, policy changes in Europe as a result of shortage of gas and other things. However, mm-hmm. I don't think ESG is going away. And one of the things that I actually see coming down the pipe, maybe this year, but maybe more 2024, is data and analytics leaders being given sustainability targets, um, meaning don't hoard data. Because um, yeah. I've recently I've recently read some stats that, that say anywhere upwards, the, the number varies depending depending on who you ask. Anywhere from fifty to eighty percent of data sitting in data centers is known as dark data. It just it just yep. sits there. It doesn't it just just collects dust. It's never used. Um, so that could be potentially one way to create that sense of purpose within a data analytics group to say, hey, listen, uh, you know, we're, we're we're going to through our governance program, we're going to institute and execute policies to reduce our our, our global carbon footprint. Uh, by getting rid of data that is collecting dust, so I, I think that I think that could be interesting. Um, yeah. To the data as a product, I, I, I'm in. Um, uh, <laughs> maybe before we di- maybe before we dive there, you mentioned that you you, you thought that was uh, ta- something happening in 2023. Kind of what are the trends for 2023? What are what are two or three others? Uh, oh, it's a good question. Um, so I I think. In the realms of leadership, um, I think the data leadership market will will have its day again. Um, for me, it's just a matter of when, um, mm. and if that will be twenty twenty three or or maybe a little bit beyond. And I say that because I think the the instability in that market at the moment is 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 so huge that I think a lot of hiring decisions are being made um, wrongly. Right, so I think. Mm. Many businesses, especially the ones that they're at the start of their journey, that don't really know what they should be doing, when they should be doing it, why they should be doing it, etc., often go to market with this perception of this is what data leadership should look like for us, and it's 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 usually some kind of technical component. Um, so they end up, you know, that usually hiring someone with the right profile for the job that they think they need to hire for, but probably the wrong profile for the job they actually should be hiring for. And then you get into this cycle of, you know, we haven't proved any value. The tenure is whatever, 18 months, 20 months, two years. Um, off they go and then they start again. And I think there's a shelf life to how long that can keep happening for until organizations have to kind of take a look in the mirror and say, okay, okay you know, maybe this is us and not them. Um, and, Malcolm, I can't tell you the amount of times where, you know, I personally feel the best work we do is when we get to sit with an organization and talk through what they're trying to achieve. And there's been plenty of times where we've worked with organizations and and re-scoped and reshaped the profile of the role to suit what they're trying to achieve as opposed to what they thought they needed. Um, but in many other instances, that equally doesn't happen, right? They, they don't want that advice. They want to go and get a person with a data science and ML background to be their CDO because that's what they think they need. And ultimately, I think to operate at the true C level, that is an additional skill set 
beyond data and analytics. Very much so. Uh, so that does speak to tenure, and let's certainly park that one again. Uh, data as a product, I'm I'm all in. Sign me up. Uh, I spent the first 10, 15 years of my professional career on, on a product track. Uh, I was a chief product officer at a small startup. I've hired and rec you know recruited, managed a team of product managers. And I love, love, love conceptually product management injected into data management. I, I, yeah. I, I love that. Are you starting to see more CDOs and data leaders looking to recruit senior product leaders into their organization? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the, the data product owner um, and data product manager roles, they've, they've probably been kicking about um, more so than they were over the last six months um, quite frequently. Uh, and we're starting to see that creep up to the leadership level as well, right? You know, so here in the UK, I know there's a slight difference in titles between uh, and levels between the UK and the US typically across the board. But, you know, we're starting to see a lot of head of and director of data or analytics product type of, of roles coming up now, you know, that would that would sit beneath a CDO and, and own day, the data product discipline as, as its own, which is uh, interesting. Okay, interesting. So you're not drawing. There's these are synonyms: product manager and product owner. Yeah, yeah, pretty oh, much. Okay, yeah. All right, I've got I've got a gripe with the owner term. I I I think it's a carryover from governance, and I'm not. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, to to me to me an owner is 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 a misnomer misnomer. Um, I like manager. I like custodian. I like caretaker. But 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 owner just seems. I I, I don't know. It, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I get hung up on semantics. It's kind of it's kind of my my, my trait. So, what what is it otherwise that 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 you find attractive about the idea of? I, I know what I do, but what do you find attractive about the idea of of kind of data as a product? So, well, I th I think you know based on all of the conversations that we have from the events that we run, the podcast that we host, etc., um, and obviously just driven day -day by data is by the way the driven by data <laughs> podcast, fantastic podcast. I recommend everybody go listen to it, especially the one where I'm appearing as a guest. <laughs> just um, go ahead. So, I think you know that the conversations that we have around the the product element within data is is, is starting to drive levels of adoption. Right. And I think ultimately that's really um, one of the, the big downfalls of data analytics teams historically. Right. Is, you know, they've built great solutions. The business, for whatever reason, won't adopt, won't use, won't consume, etc. Um, so I think it's more just the, the fact, as you'll know, right, treating it as a product, putting that rigor around it, you know, the keep maintain it update it add new features to it where where applicable etc cetera, etc cetera. that whole product life cycle and mindset around data i think is the the big one uh so i love it um the, the product life cycle in, in particular right because uh, i think i think getting back to my previous comment about data hoarding uh if you were following kind of more product life cycle type approaches here you would have a sunset you, you would you would have some sort of archival event where you'd say, okay, nobody wants this anymore. We don't need it, and and let's go archive this, take yeah. it out of support, take it out of maintenance, whatever whatever that means. Uh, so so that's one good thing. But I I am a little concerned that what we're hearing in the space right now around data as a product is is a lot of kind of checkboxy lip service 
for lack of a better better description. I mean, it just kind of sounds like like world peace, right? Like, yes, that sounds great. Everybody wants that. Everybody wants data as a product. What, what's what's wrong with that? But I'm not entirely sure most data leaders know what that actually means, right? You'd mentioned one aspect, kind of pr product lifecycle. There are certainly others uh, yeah. like marketing, positioning, branding, uh, pricing. Uh, and I would argue that that should be a necessary component as well, right? Mm -hmm. e even like even if all you're doing is charging back to an internal, uh, like a, you know, a, a profit center and you're a cost center, whatever it is, but if you're charging back and getting allocated budget, but still some sort of idea of pricing, competitive intelligence, uh, market, broader market intelligence, there's all of these things that go into product management that I think that we could use in the data space, but I don't think most people know what that means, meaning that I, I think that could be a challenge from a re recruiting perspective where you may find yourself now sitting down and saying, okay, well, if you're consulting to people on, do you really, really need these responsibilities or is this the right responsibility to assign to a VP of data analytics? I suspect you may be doing the exact same thing, hopefully, when, when asking, okay, do you know what it really means to have a product manager here? And, and maybe you should be considering these other things. Do you, do you, do you agree? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think as with pretty much every thing in our industry there's always the risk that you know the the buzzword um overpowers the uh the the actuality of what it's there to to do right you know so i think um yeah there's definitely a risk around that that businesses you know jump on the data products or data as a product bandwagon and we need data products and you know everyone's going to be running around building said you know products in quotation marks and uh yeah i think there's there's always the risk there for sure yeah, I, I, I'm most concerned, especially for those that look at it through the lens of, of an owner, that, that 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 would give some sort of kind of, I don't know, uh, free reign over everything. And, and data inherently is a, is, is a team sport and a collaborative sport, um, as as is product management. Um, so I don't know. I think I think I, maybe I get hung up on labels too much, but I do think. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's in, it might be worth noting, Malcolm, that I think the product owner title we've we've seen and and kind of found tends to to kind of be given to organizations that are operating with a hub and spoke model right mm, you know okay. so it's a data person that also understands the product element and can face towards the business and sits in the business domain to okay. own data from their perspective and create products around that so i know that would be slightly different to your usual product yeah. manager that might run a suite yeah. of products right yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, so getting back to the CDO role, let's assume that I am a director of data and analytics or I'm a senior manager of data and analytics and, and, and I want to go down that, that CDO path. Are there one or two or three things that you would tell that person to be focused on? What, what would you tell them in terms of kind of career management and career maintenance to, 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 to help accelerate them along that path? Well, I think the first thing that I normally tell people when I have these conversations um, is don't go chasing the title, right? So first and foremost, make a decision based on the role and responsibilities, because I think that probably p plays a part into the, to the tenure conversation as well, right? You know, I think many people have been hell bent on getting to that pinnacle of that title uh, and probably made decisions that in hindsight, they wish they hadn't made to have the title and you know ended up 18 months later looking for a new role because they they can't they can't bear another day <laughs> so um 
I think that's the first thing I normally tell people. I think the second thing, as me and you have discussed many times, um, the whole the whole kind of component around value and, and adding value and being able to pinpoint tangible commercial benefits out of the things that the activities that, that you're doing. I think it still uh, it still surprises me how many people and conversations I'm, I'm kind of I hear and I'm privy to of people saying, you know, well, that's it's not possible to, to do that. But ultimately, if you want to sit at the top table, that is then the job. Right, you know, um, despite what most organisations still advertise for is Python skills for a, <laughs> for a CDO. Um, but I think <laughs> at some point in time that will even itself out, and most businesses will realise, okay, if we're going to invest the type of of money that we need to invest into hiring this CDAO, we need to know for absolute certainty that we're going to get something out of the other side of of that. So I think it's you know, get when you're ready to get to that point having demonstrable experience to be able to say you know in my last role or previous roles here's what here was the strategy that we created here's how we went and executed it uh here's what the commercial benefits were for the business off, off the back of it and i think you know that's that's probably the key thing that i think is coming down the line for sure be able to show that you've moved the needle in past experiences yeah. Okay. You, 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 you peppered in, you threw me a little bit of a curveball there because you just peppered in CDAO. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously CDO versus CDAO, uh, a data officer versus a data and analytics officer. Uh, I've only ever seen that once. Um, is, is that, is that, is that common? I, I have to assume that the drawing is the distinction is, is the largest of the large companies. Yeah. Yes. So what I mean, what I would say with that is that uh, is it common? N not that common, but it's getting okay. more common. Um, I think in most instances, CDOs are CDAOs, right? They yes. just never had the title. So it's just another, it's, I think it's just another title thing, if I'm honest, you know, um, there are some large entities out there, obviously, that will distinguish between having a chief data officer and a chief analytics officer. And as you'd expect, political um reasons of obviously create challenges around around that but uh but yeah i think we, we tend to see that more in the us for sure the cdao type title um but i think yeah largely speaking you know the cdo is still the cdao they're just not put the a, a in there so yeah your uh your good friend scott taylor actually pulled uh pulled me up on this on linkedin today so i had to oh, oh really oh, i haven't i haven't <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, I had to tell that. you it was an American thing. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, interesting. Um, birds of a feather. Maybe it was the <laughs> like three to four years that Scott and I, I spent together traveling the world. Who knows? We're maybe sharing portions of a brain now. But I honestly, I I I slightly blame my previous employer, Gartner, uh, on this one. Um, I used to get into I wouldn't call them heated debates, but but you know, interesting exchanges around why why are we so obsessed around data and analytics, data and analytics, data and analytics? Why isn't it just data? Why can't we say that analytics is a kind of, of is a discipline under a broader data organization? We can say that data management is 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 a discipline. Uh, data governance, analytics, on and on. Why do we have to say data and analytics? And and honestly, the answer to that question, from a Gartner perspective, was political. Mm. 
So, yeah. so, so, so how the, it became the data and analytics organization because there were politics at play internally within that organization. And that's how the, they surfaced their organization to the external world and the external world started to embrace it more and more and more. It becomes this kind of this self-fulfilling prophecy. I saw this all the time uh, at Gartner. The more that we talked about things, the more that the market talked about things and it became real. Separate yeah. issue. Um, <laughs> so you'd mentioned previously in the conversation, kind of senior CDO 10 years. And, and yes, you know, the, the, the data varies here. I've seen numbers around 18 months, uh, 24 months, 28 months ish, de depending on the on, on the survey, um, which is relatively roughly half the, the, the tenure of, of a CIO. I think, you know, obviously it's the CDO role is still young. It's still maturing. It's still evolving. But obviously that there's there's a bit of a red flag there. Um, what do you think are some of the causes of that? I mean, you just get, you told the story earlier, basically a, a wash, rinse and repeat. You try to do something, you don't show the value and then you move on and you try to do it again. Uh, obviously you're kind of telegraphing some, you know, a bit of your answer here already, but what do you think are some of the root causes of this? Yeah. So I think, I think that's, <clears throat> that's certainly at play for sure. Um, it was interesting because I've uh, I spoke to Randy Bean on our podcast recently, yeah. who started to tell tell me a bit about the research that obviously they they do, um, and from that from that CDO community, it was you know twenty to twenty four months was the average right. tenure. Um, but further research, he was telling me, basically got to the the nuts and bolts of it was to say that being able to put a tangible commercial figure in the short term is more difficult than it is to do over a three to five year period. Um, and then as such, you know, the, the conflict of that is that CDO tenures never reach that point. So I don't know that, you know, that was just something I, uh, I thought was fascinating, right? Because most CDOs are sitting there saying you can pinpoint commercial value, but actually to see anything that's of a size and scale that's enough to kind of, you know, prick the ears up, so to speak, that might take you a little longer, but CDOs aren't getting that long to do that. So, you know, I, I've had many a conversation where I, you know, I, I kind of use the analogy of, um, you know, sports management, right? You know, if you're a, a Premier League soccer team or you're an NFL football coach, you know, you're in there. If you, if you're not getting results after a few, a few weeks and, you know, the team's sliding down the table, your head's on the chopping block pretty mm -hmm. quickly, right? So this whole notion of quick wins is starting to fascinate me a little bit because we hear that a lot, right? You know, we've got a quick win, show the value quickly, demonstrate value quickly. Um, but seemingly that for whatever reason isn't happening. So I think that's a kind of key, probably a key component because then, you know, if you're a, a CEO of a multinational business and you're paying a very hefty salary and investing heavily into new technologies and building teams and so on and so forth um if you're not quite traveling at the pace you thought you might be traveling at you know maybe it's a similar to sports team well let's let's cut loose and see if we can find someone else who can take us yep. the direction we want to go in so i think that's certainly um certainly kind of playing a big factor 
Yeah, I think you would mentioning Randy Bean. I think uh, he may have been referencing a study that I think that he published recently in HBR and Harvard Business Review that he collaborated with Tom Davenport, I believe. On I'll have to, I'll have to look that one up. But yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, if you search Randy Bean, uh, I'm pretty sure it was published in HBR. They, his his consulting organization had done some research recently around CDOs and their tenure uh, that, that was really really insightful. Um, one one of my theories here is is related to incentives, and and couldn't agree more. Quick wins you you've got to you've got to be focused on strategy, but too much strategy and not enough quick wins is is a problem, and and all tactical, all operational, and no strategy is also a problem. So obviously mm -hmm. there's there, there's a balancing point there. But I'm I'm fascinated by by opportunities potentially to change kind of how CDOs are are, are incented. Are you seeing when we were at, when I was at Gartner, you know, we, we had done a, a CDO survey last year and Gartner said that upwards of 25 percent of CDOs now actually have P&L responsibility for kind of line of business uh, uh, results, meaning P&L over a digital transformation initiative. And I have to assume that that for those CDOs, that some of their incentives are being tied to business performance, increased sales, reduce reduce costs on the business side or reduce risk. Are you seeing more kind of incentive models in the CDO world that that do align to kind of business high level business performance instead of just you know better data, whatever that means? Yeah, so I, I think broadly speaking, at the senior level, you know, most remuneration packages look like you know a proportion of base salary, equity, and a bonus of of some kind. Now it depends, you know, it really varies organization to organization. Firstly, on how big of that portion is assigned to bonus um, and the the kind of drivers behind that, you know, so is, is it, uh, you know, you do get instances where it's exclusively business performance, you know, so if the business outperforms what it was expected to revenue wise or P and L wise, then, you know, you're eligible for a bonus. You then get some split, which is based on personal performance um, alongside that, which then, you know, you do start at that level, you do start getting into the realms of, well, what does success look like? Um, I don't think those conversations would harm us in any way at all, right? Because I think part of the, I think part of the challenge often is that most business leaders, from my knowledge, they, they know that there's value in this thing somewhere. They know that you know, if they hire the right person, they can get something out of the other side of, of this that's of benefit to their organization. Um, obviously, they're not the people that know how to do that, hence why they go and hire a, a CDO, right? But I think in, in many instances, the, the, there's, there's not any success metrics or KPIs around what, what does good look like for this right. CDO over what timescales. So, you know, that does bring that kind of question to the forefront a little bit when you have to start negotiating well okay if my bonus is based on part you know part of my remuneration is based on a, a bonus around my personal performance well what does success look like for me and and how are you going to quantify that and um i think that also not only drives the conversation from a you know setting up success success metrics but also um you know, drives the right behaviors from the CDO around, well, I want to make sure I hit that bonus. So I want to make sure that I'm demonstrating these these key things, right? But I think, again, it's a, it's a balancing act because it's normally the CDO that needs to be the person that can tell the business leader how realistic that ambition is over what time frame, right? 
So yeah, I'd be interested to see a future world where kind of the the, the CDO KPIs are directly aligned to business KPIs, right? At, 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 at appropriate levels, right? So a normal course of action for a senior leader to be to be compensated based on company performance and, and a certain amount of your bonus to be tied to company performance, generally revenue, right? But at lower levels, as you kind of cascade down the organization, I, I would love to see a future state where CDOs sign up for lower cost of goods sold or increased cross-sell or, or lead conversion rates or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's thousands of business KPIs, but where it's actual KPIs on the business side are fully aligned to KPIs on, on the CDO side, instead of just kind of some nebulous, you know, company performance, which is almost always, if our revenue goes up, you get, you get a bigger chunk of pie from a bonus perspective. So I, yeah. I think, I think there could be something there. Uh, and that's really what I kind of meant by incentives where what I've seen data and analytics leaders is, is this kind of this, ill-defined just kind of better data or or, or mm. data quality metrics and not actual business metrics yeah it's a, i think it, it fascinates me that kind of come that kind of line of conversation malcolm because i think um obviously and, and i know that we've spoken about this many a times right yeah. but you get everyone knows you go and speak to to any joe blogs in the street that works in data and they will tell you start with the business strategy and objectives work backwards yep. Plan, plan what you plan your strategy around helping the business to hit them, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Well, eight, nine times out of 10, it probably doesn't happen that way, which fascinates me. Uh, I'm, I'm still it, trying to pinpoint why. Yeah, it, 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 exactly. And, and honestly, Kyle, I think what it comes down to straight up is I will just loosely say leadership. Um, because I, I think it takes a very, very, very extraordinary leader to walk out on that limb, right? A, a, and say, yes, I, I will tie my compensation to business KPIs. And if I and if those business KPIs are not delivered, then my, I won't get my bonus. And that takes a really unique leader because you don't, as with all things data, you don't have direct control over those outcomes, right? You're reliant on salespeople or you're reliant on procurement people or you're reliant on other people in the business to do it. So I think that takes a, an exceptional person to be able to, to do that and, and, and to take those risks. Um, but, but I'm optimistic that someday in the future that, that, that we are doing more of that. And I think that's, I think, I think that's when you and I will connect on LinkedIn and say, aha, you know, <laughs> aha, we, we finally maybe crack some sort of code here uh, uh, for a why, uh, you know, I, I think, I, I think we can, we can, we can guess as to why data leaders don't, um, kind of follow the business strategy and don't execute against business outcomes. Um, but once three or four or five or 10 or 15 or 20 start to do it, I think they'll start to see more and more of that. So, yeah. Anyway, that's me being the optimist. I, we could keep talking for days and days and, and, and as we do <laughs> online anyway. Um, but it's been so great to have you. Um, wonderful insights. I'm optimistic for 2023. Uh, I know it's a tenuous time. You're, you're, you're nodding. So uh, it's uh, it, it seems like you are. Thank you so much for spending some time with us uh, today to discuss this.